Last night, I found myself watching videos on YouTube about the Sith. The Sith, if you'll remember, are, simply put, the bad guys in Star Wars. And I was curious as to what the backstory to the Sith is. Because the movies take place a long time after certain events that take place in the Star Wars history, you could call it, right? Now, let me just start by saying... I'm going to be talking about a lot of things that are considered by many to be fiction or to be, at best, highly pseudoscientific or pseudo-archaeological. These ideas of there being ancient races that have been forgotten, visitors from other planets, that kind of thing, which I do believe to be factual. But I just want to delineate and say that I know there is a distinction between made-up stories like Star Wars and whatever the real stories might be. But I also think there may be overlap between these fictional accounts and things that really have happened or really are happening out there in the universe. I mean, it's so vast. There's so many possibilities. And these ideas all must be inspired from some source. So I think it's safe to assume that there are in the very least elements of truth within fiction, especially fictional worlds as rich as one like Star Wars or, say, Lord of the Rings. These worlds that are created by visionary artists like George Lucas or George R. R. Martin, these writers, these creators who go so far as to not just tell a story, but to create an entire universe in which the characters from that story derive all their motivations and all the backstories. And it's what creates such a compelling narrative. Welcome to class with Teacher Nico. Let's begin. Now, I was curious about the Sith because who are these really powerful, really evil kind of guys? And what are they motivated by? Where are they from? What's their deal? A lot was interesting, but there one thing that stood out was that the way their, I guess you'd call it, empire worked is you would have a central authority figure that all the other Sith were subservient to. There's a hierarchical structure, and it was all composed of these warring clans or tribes that were all vying for that top spot. It reminded me of the Huns, the Khans, these different tribal leaders that would then war with one another and absorb one another's tribes, the winner taking the losers. And Genghis Khan simply meant like the main Khan, the Khan of Khans, the the boss of bosses, if you will. So it, it might be modeled off of the Huns, but the idea of there being these warring factions that are all competing for the right to rule all the rest resonated with me as something that does happen in our world, has happened in our history, And it's an interesting idea, right? It got me thinking, if the goal was to create a society that was subservient to a singular ruler, it could be done, as in the case of the Star Wars lore, and in the case of certain historical empires, like the Hunnic Empire, the Roman Empire, I think you could say, 
they employed the same tactic of using violence and force to coerce anyone they came across, basically, to be absorbed into the empire. They would then assert their hierarchical structure on the societies that they took over, allowing people from those societies to rule over them with the new structure in place, where they were ultimately answering to governors or senators or whatever they called their rulers, who then answered to their rulers, so on and so forth, all the way up to the chain, to the emperor. So if you wanted to create such a society, one way would be through violence like that, right? But those empires tend to fall apart, historically speaking. Sometimes they last hundreds of years, sometimes maybe thousand years or so. I don't know what's the longest empire, but usually they tend to to splinter and, and break apart and then be absorbed by other empires, perhaps. If you really wanted to take over a place and make it subservient to you, the lasting way to do it wouldn't be to force it upon people. The lasting way to do it would be to get the people to agree to accept it. And then after a generation or two, there would be no questioning it because there had never been an alternative system witnessed by anyone alive. So how would you get people to accept a system of tyranny? That's a question that I'm considering right now. And I think the way to do it would be to create benefits to opting into the system and create detriments to opting out or refusing to join the system. And if you had patience and you had a generation or two to kill, you could probably really gently impose a state of tyranny on an entire planet, perhaps, that could then follow the model you set forth where everyone is absorbed into this system, all the resources, all the energy, everything you can extract from it comes out of that planet, comes out of that place, and it does so consistently without you needing to force everyone to do what you want through violence because that's simply the way of living that they're accustomed to. I feel we are witnessing such an event in our lifetimes. I feel there may be competing empires and it may not be so cut and dry, but there does seem to be an international effort across countries, perhaps competing efforts, but perhaps a unified effort, or eventually it will become a unified effort, where these countries are laying down the framework to completely control their societies and to make everyone within them fully dependent on the centralized leadership. This is being done through processes like creating these digital IDs, creating these digital currencies, creating these things that can be tracked to an individual who you then control by controlling what access they are to be granted within your society. So if everyone is playing the same game, if everyone is part of this same system, they will come to understand certain rules. Like if you have so many points, you're allowed to do certain things. If you don't have that many points, you're not allowed to do those things. This sounds most directly comparable to the Chinese social credit system, which I understand to be a model of control that is being set forth from the top down 
through which they will be able to not only monitor everything everyone does, but have control over their ability to travel, their ability to get loans, their ability to get jobs, their ability to leave the country, come into the country, travel between countries. And before you know it, your entire life is controlled by whoever is control of where you live. If that is a benevolent emperor, call it an emperor, even though I know China, for example, doesn't have an emperor anymore. But if it is a benevolent source of leadership, that could be a tremendously effective way to govern society. If the rules are fair, if the standards are moral, maybe it's a good way to run things. Good at least insofar as it can keep people organized, it can keep them behaving in predictable manners, and it can enforce certain standards of decency, standards of law, so on and so forth. But what happens if and probably when that leadership isn't benevolent and when that leadership becomes tyrannical and decides that if you don't go along with it, these punishments become increasingly severe. These incentives to do what we say become increasingly severe in both directions, beneficially and coercively. What we witnessed with the COVID-19 crisis was, if not by design, by opportunism, a means for governments around the world to start transitioning away from a society with loose control over its citizens to a society with ever-tightening control over its citizens. Vaccine passports were, as many suspected, a means of getting your foot in the door, of getting people accustomed to the idea of needing government approval to go somewhere, of getting people accustomed to the idea of submitting to a database that will then determine their levels of freedom as granted by whoever is in control of the system. The Sith would do well to implement a system such as a social credit score system, if they were wise. If their goal was to take over a planet, the best way to do it would be to find governments that perhaps already have attained this level of control over their people and to then get the leaders of those governments to submit to your authority. This is an out there idea, but I'd like to just entertain it for a moment. What if the leaders of Earth had been tapped by some outside source, some outside planet, some people from somewhere else, call it the Sith, because let's just go with something that's fictional, right? Since we're speculating anyways. Say there's a Sith Emperor that decided the best way for me to exert full control over the universe is for me to find places where there's already this hierarchical structure in place and to simply gain control over the leaders of that and get them to turn over that control to me. Then I can impose my will, and it's really hard for them to say no. This is sort of a path I think 
I'm not going to say that we're on, that we're going to be controlled by some outside entity or that perhaps we already are. But it's something that we need to take seriously. It doesn't have to be an outside entity. We're fully capable of being assholes to ourselves, right? I fear a world where a leader like Stalin has the type of control that would be granted to a government of today, especially if we continue on this path of submitting to systems that are designed to control us. And when these systems reach a point where not only are certain privileges and kind of black and white standards enforced, like criminal records and credit scores, so on and so forth, but ideological standards are set forth where linguistic patterns are set forth, where there's things you're allowed to say, things you're allowed to think, things you're allowed to believe, and then there's things you're not allowed to say, think, and believe. That's highly problematic. It's very concerning to me. And through fear, we can be convinced we need to submit to such a system to be safe. And through self-interest, we can be convinced that we have a lot to gain by obeying whatever dictates are handed down to us by the people in control of these new systems. What I want to consider today is how we can help shape these systems if they are implemented, how we can set forth controls ahead of time that prevent certain bounds from being crossed, or whether we should simply determine not to submit to such systems, not to organize our society in such a way, and not to take the risk of being nice and neat and clean and effective from the top down, but surrendering our own individuality and autonomy and ability to make choices to some, someone else, something else. Because once there's a throne and someone's sitting on it, there tends to be someone else who wants to sit on it next. And when it's unpredictable who that someone's going to be, or that someone can simply be whoever's the most ambitious and beats the other ambitious guys, like the Khans doing war, like the Sith doing war to determine who gets to rule everyone until they're replaced by someone who wants to do it, we descend into a very... Well, hellish planet, I think. I don't want that to happen. I don't want us to be so controlled. I don't want there to be anyone who gets to tell me what to do unless I want to obey that person. I believe that on an individual level, we actually have the capacity to make wise choices. I think we have the capacity to work together and cooperate and collaborate without there being someone from the top down forcing us to move into certain arrangements. And I urge caution for everyone in the world right now because we are at a stage of human development and evolution where there is a strong case to be made that, hey, we could really get our act together if we all were just playing by the same rules, if we were all just plugged into the same system, we could really get organized. And maybe it's seen as a good thing. Maybe it's seen as a way to avoid wars and conflict and crime and all these things we want to avoid. But the minute you decide 
There's people who will be taken care of if they obey, and there's people that will be destroyed or in the least left to die if they don't join. You turn it into something inhuman. You turn it into something that forsakes our basic sense of humanity in place of submission to an authority that is not infallible and an authority that, if it abuses its power, has the potential to cause catastrophic harm on unprecedented scales. Because the more people are plugged into any one given system, the more can go wrong if any one decision is made that wasn't the best decision. I'd like to turn to an example that I understand from Chinese history. So the year is 1958. China, mainland China, recently unified by the Chinese Communist Party as a result of the Chinese Civil War. Mao Zedong, also known as Chairman Mao, used the chairman of the Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party. He instituted something called the Great Leap Forward, which was a plan for the next five years where they were going to implement a number of policies that were meant to help China transition from an agrarian society into an industrialized society. One of these measures was to kill all the sparrows. Seriously. They said, there's certain animals, certain pests we got to get rid of. Flies, mosquitoes, rats, and sparrows. Because... Chairman Mao said, these animals spread disease and they're eating the grain. They're eating food that the people need. So we're going to work together to get rid of them all. Whenever you see a sparrow, smash it. It's called the Sparrow Smashing Campaign. It's been referred to as. Over the next year, people did just that. People shot them with guns. They smashed their eggs. They burned their nests. Uh, kids would run around banging pots together making birds fly around in the sky until they fall down from exhaustion. Fuck sparrows, right? That's how they saw it. What they didn't realize, and this is very sad, is that the sparrows also ate locusts. No one expected what would follow. And that's up to 70% of the crops that year being devoured by locusts who were out of control because the sparrows which would have eaten them were not eating them because they were all dead. And they were all dead because of a policy that was passed by a central government that had the authority to make everyone do something everywhere at the same time. Now, there's other reasons that contributed to the famine that killed tens of millions of Chinese people. And it's truly tragic. The good news is that the China that Mao envisioned, the industrialized China, did come to be. Over the last couple decades especially, China has gone from being what it was in 1958, where you had poor people everywhere, people starving to death, to one of the most modernized places in the world, where they have the biggest export economy on earth. Every piece of technology that we have probably was put together in China, probably certainly has parts from China, from materials mined in China. China has become the place 
to get stuff. They are the most industrialized economy on earth by many standards. So that vision that Mao had did come to be, but there were mistakes along the way, like the Sparrow Smashing campaign. So what is the lesson to be learned here? Well, to me, this is to highlight one of the benefits to a less organized society where there is no one core central authority that can make everyone do something all at once. If you were to try to implement a sparrow smashing campaign in America around the same time, you would have had to go through all these different states. There would be people who were fighting for the rights of the birds. There would be people who were arguing maybe that this would happen, that you would throw it out of balance. There would be all kinds of pushback. There would be reasons that it didn't get done or didn't get done quickly. That's a case where this is a benefit to having a system like ours. Now we can look at a counterexample of how their system can be very effective where ours is very ineffective. And to me, the quintessential example is this high-speed rail. In America, over like 10 years ago now, I'm sure it's been, we were supposed to have a train built in Southern California, high-speed rail from San Diego all the way up to San Francisco, stopping in Anaheim, stopping in Los Angeles, a couple stops along the way. I helped fund it. There was a ballot initiative. I say I helped fund it because I paid increased sales taxes to fund this fucking thing that never got built, by the way. Okay? They never did it. Meanwhile, in China, during that same period of time, they built high-speed rail that's functional today between basically all of their major cities. We're talking hundreds of miles of high-speed rail, and in America, there's zero miles. So there's an example where you do want a strong central government that can just make shit happen. But in the case of the Sparrow Smashing campaign, it was a disaster because of that. You can get anywhere in China on a high-speed train today for a very reasonable price. Here, we can't do that. Here, there are no trains. It didn't get done. So those are kind of two extremes where sometimes you want a central government that gets shit done. But sometimes you don't because if they make a mistake, it gets done everywhere really fast. So I would say that to me is a very straightforward takeaway from the Sparrow Smashing story uh, during the Great Leap Forward in China. Now, if we're transitioning to a world that is controlled by a central authority, or a few central authorities, say someday it's China, America, and maybe a European Union, all have their own separate control systems. Well, I guess that's better than just having one control system, but any control system that is completely controlled from the top down, with no intercession from lower levels of government, is potentially globally catastrophic if bad choices are made. And these bad choices don't have to be made intentionally. They can simply be mistakes. They can be mistakes that couldn't have been predicted. There is a natural, I would say, tendency for power to consolidate. It seems to be a historical trend. It may be something that's unavoidable, but it is something that we can in the very least allowed to progress 
with great prudence and with great oversight. I would like to see us move in a direction where regardless of how powerful overall governments become, the individual is also becoming more empowered. The individual needs to have the power to learn for themselves, think for themselves, speak for themselves, express their own opinions, and exist as a sovereign entity within a system of control that consolidates the individuals into a collective. The reason for this is not simply that I prefer to have freedom. The reason is the collective human intelligence is greater than any individual imposing their intelligence on the collective. There is a randomness and a chaotic component to allowing this, this call it freedom, to exist in your society. But it is ultimately a very powerful tool and one that is immune from the dangers of an over-centralized power especially if, and probably when, that power becomes more and more separated from the people it controls. I wouldn't want some off-world Sith Emperor to be controlling Earth because they probably wouldn't care how we feel about things. They probably wouldn't care if something harms us, if it gets them what they want. It's easy to allow people to starve and suffer when you're not witnessing or you're not directly affected by those events. So what's our homework on this topic? Our homework is to reflect on what we might be able to do to ensure that we don't surrender to any central government structures, be they domestic or international, to an extent that they gain sufficient control over us as an individual to mandate whatever behaviors we take because we are too dependent on them to say no. We must find a way to exist harmoniously with, but independently from any governing structure that might impose its absolute will upon us. We should reserve the ability to cooperate, collaborate with, and even submit to those structures at will. But we cannot allow those structures to dictate our every move, every thought, every decision in a way that could happen if we mindlessly submit to whatever claims authority over us. I think we're at a time where we need to choose for ourselves, and maybe it's too late for us to prevent certain things from happening. Maybe it's too late for us to say, hey, I don't want to have a globalized world. I want to keep my individual countries sovereign and separate. Because these forces of coalescence seem almost to be a force of nature. They seem to be something that repeats over time historically. I would say perhaps it's even an evolutionary certainty that we will continue to coalesce under grander and grander forms of government that have more and more expansive capabilities to control us. So if we are on that path, 
if it is inevitable that we're on that path, I'm not saying it is, but if it is, what would a benevolent system look like? What would a fair system look like? What would the best version of that look like? And how can we take part in shaping what that looks like for us in the future? Because if we do continue to live on this planet and we don't annihilate ourselves through, say, a nuclear war or reach a point where we've obliterated our own environment and made our planet unlivable, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future, but it definitely has the potential to happen over time if we don't change certain paths and patterns. And by the way, that could be one side effect of, say, a Sith Emperor in a far-off galaxy using us as a colony. They might not give a fuck what happens to our environment, what happens to our water, what happens to our air. They might simply want to extract from this planet whatever resources they can. They might be physical resources. They might be some other kind of resource, such as our intellectual capacities, our maybe invisible energies that we generate through our thought, through our emotions. It may be something that we don't even recognize as a resource, much as we didn't recognize our own data as a resource, as an asset. But that came to be more valuable than oil. We have to ask ourselves, if I'm a Lego piece in this giant thing being built, where does my piece fit in? Do I want my piece to go here? Because we do know ourselves to all be part of a grander system, a grander collective, even if it's just as being members of the same species, being members of the same ecosystem. What we do affects one another. And it can be tempting to say, look, we're a bunch of uncivilized animals, and we need someone really smart to control everyone. We need to submit to that level of intelligence. Maybe it's an emperor. Maybe it's an artificial intelligence. Maybe it's something we create that we give control to that then domineers over us based on the parameters we set for it. Maybe it starts to function in unpredictable ways. I don't know. What I do know is that we have a lot more power over the future than we might realize and that our individual decisions with how to interact with these systems as they develop and how we can shape them will have a permanent impact on them for as long as they exist. So I would like to imagine that if there is some Sith Lord trying to rule my planet, that control they have over it will dwindle because we will become aware that we are part of some grander scheme that we didn't opt into and we might prefer to opt out of. We might be able to design parallel systems of government that operate on a lower level or operate in concert with other governments. But the fact that we even face the possibility of, you know, apocalyptic destruction right now, because a couple world leaders could maybe make a decision to destroy one another, that's troubling. That's not something that would happen if we hadn't centralized power so tightly within the hands of a few individuals. A case could be made that no human, no single human, should be given that power. And if that is the case, we really do need to rethink how we have this all set up. And I hope that there's a way that we can come to a point where we realize something like a nuclear war, for example, 
is a terrible idea for everyone on this planet. And the only way I could see someone moving forward with that is if they considered themselves so far distanced from this planet, so unconcerned with the life of beings here that they would just benefit from the fallout of whatever happens. Or, or they would even worse be led by a personal, egotistical, emotional reasons to, like I always say, flip over the game board. If they don't get what they want, they'll just destroy everything. When you have a lot of people in the room with that power, well, politics gets really messy. And global politics gets really messy because everyone has a veto. Everyone has a veto of, I'll just blow everything up if I don't get what I want. Or if you don't do what I say, or you do do what you say, but I don't want it, well, I might just blow everything up. That's not a mature way to function. It's not a sustainable way to function. So let us now please consider our place in determining what that global order is and what that local order will be. And I pray that we can find a harmonious fit and we can all together move toward a more unified world while at the same time moving away from a world that can be so drastically affected by the decisions of a single individual or a small collection of individuals. I think we've gone too far in that direction as of late, and I hope that we naturally move a little further away from it to avoid the world being in the state it is now, where we're all at the mercy of a handful of people who retain what they consider their right to kill us all if they decide to. I do believe and hope and pray that there are higher powers looking over us, protecting us, even if it's just within the hearts of every man. Maybe there's been a lot of times when people wanted to do something terrible that they didn't do because of a moment of conscience, because of a moral decision they made within themselves. You can order people to do things that they refuse to do because they have a sense of morality that transcends what they consider to be a responsibility. There's a Bible verse that says something like, the laws of God are higher than the laws of man. And I interpret that to mean there are certain things that we know are right and wrong. And it doesn't matter what the law says. If it violates those things, it's not a legitimate law we need to follow. So I caution against becoming allegiant to the idea of obedience or surrendering your own autonomy completely because you consider yourself too integrated into any one system to disobey. Because that's how we turn ourselves into automatons. That's how we turn ourselves into droids. That's how we turn ourselves into inhuman robots, you know, creatures, things that must obey its master. And God willing, we have a good master if that happens. But if we don't, and maybe it's just a matter of time of until we don't, things could get really bad really quick. Let's not let them get really bad really quick. Let's make them be really good really quick and really good for the long term. My, as they say, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone around the world, and in particular to people in Ukraine and Russia who are right now making choices whether they're going to kill each other. And I hope that they're deciding not to. And I hope that the leaders who have the power to command them 
whether they listen to it or not, but do have the power to command them to do things that may be wrong, don't order them to do those things. And instead, believe that there is a peaceful path toward resolution. And I'm here as one small piece of this planet. I'm here as one small piece of humanity, urging us to come together and surrender to our higher nature, to tap into our more positive emotions and our more positive courses of action and thought and behavior so that we can meet on that level and make choices together. I refuse to just gleefully submit to increasing controls by people who have not earned my trust, by people who have not earned my allegiance and have not earned the right to call themselves my rulers. I'm talking about these international economic forums that meet and conspire to control the world through the implementation of uniform policies throughout all these different systems. If you look at a guy named Klaus Schwab, who is a very, very scary looking and sounding man, he appears to be one such emperor or aspiring emperor. These methods of control, he so eloquently states, are reasonable and desirable. And these, this gospel of a unified overall economically powered governmental system infiltrating every country on earth probably is the idea to create one global community that's all run by a small set of elites is a dangerous proposition. And while I too am drawn to the idea of there being one earth, one planet, one society, that sounds like it would be really cool in a lot of ways. I don't believe that coercion and top-down control is the way we reach that in a sustainable way. I think that's the way we impose the potential for great destruction and devastation because the world's too diverse. It's too different to be ruled by a small set of people. And we're too fallible as individuals to make choices for the entire world. There's no way we could possibly understand the needs of every single person in the world. And we need to allow a degree of autonomy to remain. So while I am willing to, I guess, go with this overall trend toward a more globalized world dominated by fewer and fewer powers, if that is the trend that will ensue, regardless of how I feel about it, while I am willing to harmoniously acquiesce to that society, if that's what emerges, I really hope it's not a huge mistake. And I really hope that we retain the understanding that we always do have choice. Even if the choices we make are met with our own destruction, simply making the right choice has a lasting impact on the people who are left behind. And I strongly believe that we will be rewarded for it in what you could call the afterlife or the next life. I think that this all might just be a big test, a big school. And that's why to me, when we go to class, we learn. And when we have class, we earn. We earn the right to become something greater than we currently are. We earn the right to inherit greater control, greater understanding, greater power, individually and collectively. 
and collectively as a species. All right, class, thank you very much. Have a great week. Stay classy, planet Earth.